Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Today, I'm really pleased to share with you Cheryl Mayberry McKissick. Cheryl, do you go by your full name like that or Cheryl Mayberry? I go by Cheryl Mayberry McKissick. All right. So let me tell you a little bit about Cheryl. First of all, she has a long history in management and marketing, and it spans years from when she started with IBM working in technology. She's been in tech businesses. She's done marketing. And one of the things I know my um, listeners who are in the nonprofit and learning sectors will really appreciate is she spent 10 years teaching at the Kellogg Entrepreneurial Studies. The other thing I think is helpful to know about Cheryl is she has this rounded view. Not only does she have um, her digital marketing and helping entrepreneurs get up going and understanding their marketing piece better, but she also is a board member on both corporate and non-found—I mean, nonprofit foundation boards. So she has a realm of understanding from small startup to the big Fortune 500 size organization, and then what it means to be in charge and responsible from a governance perspective. So I'm really excited to learn from Cheryl today, and I know that you all will be as well. So Cheryl. Before I turn it over to you, I do want to mention to the listeners, in case they're sitting on their computer and want to do multitasking, go and look. Cheryl just published her new book called The Entrepreneurial Cell, and she will give you the reasons that she created that because it's very um, timely and pertinent to the work that we're all doing. So Cheryl, with that as a little bit of an introduction, what would you like to add Okay, well, first of all, thank you very much for having me today. I'm really uh, delighted to be with you today and to speak to to your uh, members of your audience. Um, as we have talked, I have had a, a, a career in both uh, technology, uh, marketing, and sales. As you mentioned, starting my career with IBM and, and then going and doing um, several uh, technology ventures, both uh, startup ventures, some which I started myself with other business partners and others that uh, that I joined as part of the uh, management team. Also had an opportunity to, uh, as you said, teach for uh, 10 years at Kellogg's uh, MBA uh, school, uh, School of Business, and uh, in the entrepreneurial uh, studies department. And I think that's really um, what really prompted me to write my book called The Entrepreneurial Cell. And even though the book is designed uh, for uh, tools and techniques that every startup needs to to know. I always I like to say that um, regardless of what you're doing, whether you're working for a non for profit, whether you're working for a corporation, or you're an entrepreneur, is that everyone needs to think like an entrepreneur, even if you're not going to be an entrepreneur. And what I mean by that is that the skills and characteristics that entrepreneurs have, uh, whether it be their purpose, their passion. Uh, innovation, ability to take risks, desire to grow. Those are all things that I think each of us can really put into our personal lives. And so the book is really written to talk about how you can incorporate those kinds of characteristics into your personal lives as well as your professional lives, regardless of of, uh, which area you, you focus on. And so I think that many of the stories, there's several start um case studies that we use in there. And we use those case studies to really tell um, the successes and in some cases, 
uh, you know, not so successes. <laughs> what did we learn from those and, and how do we do that differently? And then one of the other things that I focus on is this whole notion of the next chapter. And so I think all of us are going through an evolution that basically uh, requires us to have a next chapter. And, and I really talk a lot about this because I really talk about how the world around us has changed so much. And so when I started my career, for example, at IBM, there were a lot of people who were going to spend 30, maybe 40 years and and work at IBM and and retire from IBM. The world has changed today. Very few of us will uh, spend our entire careers with one company. And so the ability to be able to pivot and actually make those changes throughout our, our lifespan and really use some of those skills and techniques that I've talked about, I think is really crucial in today's world. I think that's a great jumping off place because certainly the expectations that people go into work with are much different than they were 20 or 30 years ago and actually even 10 years ago. So could you talk a little bit about some of those skills? You talked about being able to pivot and change and I know there's a lot of depth in your book, so maybe you could start by sharing a story that illustrates one or more of those skills and how we as listeners could take a nugget from that. Yeah, well, I, I think that um, it, it's, it's interesting because I think most of us will find that we actually are doing that in our lives, even if we're not necessarily you know, going through um, all of the steps. And, you know, and I like to talk about, you know, just some examples, you know, that, you know, I've even had in my life. And so when I started my career, one of the opportunities I had was at a technology company called U.S. Robotics. And U.S. Robotics is a very fast growing uh, technology company. And when I started, uh, the company was about 80 million in revenue. Uh, In about five years, we grew it to 2.2 billion. And at the end of that five years, we were successfully able to sell it to another technology company in the Silicon Valley. And so it was a great opportunity. And after I finished uh, with that and and the company was sold, I found myself at this uh, very reflective time period. I was fortunate enough to have have done well with the company. And so I didn't have to immediately go back uh, to work. But I found that, you know, certainly I was not done and wanted to continue my career. But I was at this reflection point of, what do I do now? And one of the things I think a lot of us make the mistake of doing, I certainly made the mistake, is that sometimes we feel that need that we've got to jump into something else uh, without maybe taking the time to really evaluate who we are, what we are, how the experience we've had before has changed us, and, um, and what do we really want to get out of the next chapter? And um, uh, for me in this particular situation, I felt a little bit out of sorts because um, all of my friends were were actively working and building their careers. And I was in this in-between stage. And so they couldn't come out to play. And so didn't have, you know, that kind of network that I would like. And uh, and I would call my husband, who's in the um, investment business. And uh, so he's constantly watching the market and, and very, very busy during the day. And it was not characteristic at all of our relationship for me to call him during the day. And I'd say to him, you know, what are you doing? And he'd say, same thing I was doing, you know, when you called me 15 minutes ago. 
And so, so I, I, I found myself just kind of in this in-between stage. Uh, an opportunity came to me, referral opportunity, and I jumped at the opportunity, got a chance to go and rehire some of the people from my winning team at US Robotics and started with this new company. And unfortunately, you know, three years later, the company was a venture-backed company by companies such as uh, Microsoft. And there was a, a huge shift of what was changing currently in the telecom market. And the, the investors decided that they were going to hedge their bets and uh, get out of some of their uh, investments because of the volatility that was going on in the industry. And unfortunately, the company that uh, the software IP uh, company that I was in uh, was a casualty of that. And I remember after having this huge success with US Robotics and then having this less than success at this other area, I really had to dig deep to start to think about, okay, now what am I going to do? And, and what I started to do was to say, what have I learned here that I want to make sure no matter what I do, um, that I apply? And what I, I learned is that I personally don't want to ever have all my eggs in one basket. So I decided that for me, I needed to diversify and not just go from one job to the next, but also have some other things in my life that would allow me to not be dependent on one thing. So I decided that I love the idea of flexibility. I love the idea of being in an entrepreneurial environment. So I started my own digital research company. I also decided that I needed some balance in my life. I, you know, when I was with uh, U.S. Robotics, while I loved it, it was 24-7, constant, and uh, I didn't have much balance at all. And I was newly married. My husband was very understanding, but that's only going to last so long. So I also decided that I would need something that would require um, me to have some balance in my life. And both the balance included me not only working on uh, things uh, that were in my professional range, but also things that were in that personally I wanted to. So non-for-profit work. I was very interested in uh, education, still very interested in healthcare. So things of that nature that I was very interested in. So I reached out and started uh, making sure that I had a balance with both corporate and uh, non-for-profit organizations that I wanted to be a part of. I co-wrote three books uh, with uh, with another um, author uh, specifically uh, focused uh, on uh, women, Black women specifically, and talked about uh, health and wellness, talked about uh, career balance. So I, I wanted to have that also as, as a, a part of my portfolio, if you will. And then I, I really started to think in terms of the next opportunity really had to incorporate as many of those things as possible. And for me, that was kind of the, the really first uh, step in making sure that no matter what I did in the future, that it was going to be a combination of probably three or four things, uh, maybe not doing them all at once, not doing them all in, at the same level, but not putting all my eggs in one basket. Because when I found that I did that at the previous situation, and then it was all taken away, it was difficult to be able to then go to that next chapter. And that's the way that I've kind of patterned my life uh, since then. What's interesting is, um, and you kind of did a quick slide by when you described, you know, calling your husband and you'd mentioned just prior to that, that when that one company went away and your job did and your friends were still doing their, you know, professional pursuits, your network also went away. And I'm wondering to what degree 
was you're diversifying also in diversifying not just activities or focus, but also people and the different types of folks who you were connecting with? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say that I have found that to be true as well. And that is that, you know, I particularly enjoy uh, communicating and interacting with all kinds of people, because one of the things I've learned, you can learn something from everyone. And so when you're in a field, in my case, tech, uh, you tend to interact only with people with tech. And that's really just because of the intensity of the, the job and the intensity of the industry, you know, very little time to, to do some of those kinds of personal things that require an investment. And so I found that I, I wanted to have diversity in, in all aspects of my life. So in the, the relationships that I had, the friends that I had, the organizations that I participated in, because I don't think that I'm just you know, about one thing. And I think that most of us are not just about one thing. I think, you know, we're all pretty diverse in, you know, in our likes and our dislikes and our wants and our needs and those kinds of things. And I think one of the things that, that I talk about even in my book is the fact that, you know, we're really responsible for making sure that we create our own uh, lifestyles that allow us to do that. And so you have to ask yourself some really important questions. And that is that if you list out those things that are most important to you, let's say the flexibility Let's say uh, maybe it's the ability to travel. Maybe it's uh, the ability um, to have a large group of people to bounce ideas off. Whatever it is that's important to you. Maybe it's a great office or maybe it's no office. Maybe it's, you know, you want to work from home and have ultimate flexibility so that you can care for either your children or maybe it's an elderly parent or, or whatever. But if you take those things, it can't be 20 things, but I think you got to have what I call the non-negotiables. And you write those out and you say, you know, there are three or four things that I absolutely must have in my life, you know, to be able to accept this new job or this new responsibility or whatever it is, or maybe be on this new board or a new committee or what have you. You know, there's certain things that have to be there. Again, it can't be 20 things. So maybe it's, you know, two, three, four, and that. And then uh, put the onus on yourself to find those opportunities that will allow you to have as many of those as possible. You don't get all of them and you don't get it all the time. But I think this whole notion that we take things and we take things on and then they're going to work for us, even though the things that we're taking on do not include any of the non-negotiables that are important to us in our life. I think most, in most cases, we're going to be disappointed. So say you've considered that. Let's just say we did a little bit of homework up front and I've got my short list, which I love that you say one, two, maybe three or four, because the list gets long. It really doesn't mean anything after a certain length. And I go into a venture or I get hired somewhere or I start volunteering somewhere. And those fit at that time. But do you ever feel the need or recommend that people go back and reevaluate like six months, a year later? Like, is that environment still meeting that or have things changed and I've just kind of morphed and gone along with it and I'm getting pinched, I guess, pinched being my word, but squished into not having the important non-negotiables? Absolutely. Absolutely. Matter of fact, that is an excellent observation. Uh, And the reason why it is, is because our lives today has changed so fast, okay? There, you know, it, it may not even be six months, you know, but 
sometimes you can go in with all the right intentions, go in with all the, everything seems to be aligned. And then, you know, two months, six months, what happened is things have changed. Sometimes they change uh, because of circumstances that no one has control of. Absolutely recommend that this is an evolution and you have to continue to take a look at it and make sure it's still a fit. One example on this, um, and this one was, was a, a, a very difficult personal example for me. But um, in 2017, uh, in 2016, I took on a CEO job for an iconic publishing company. And uh, I had previously been involved with it as the president and uh, COO. And then it was acquired by a private equity company. And I took it on as excited about the opportunity. There were so many ideas that I had and the team and we were doing some great things. I was very, very pleased uh, with um, with the, the work and the progress that we were making. In 2017, my mother became very ill. And uh, I'm originally from Seattle, Washington. So my, my, my mother was living in, in Seattle. And I realized that I needed to be more present and be in Seattle to really help her with the quality of her life. It was a very um, tough decision because I uh, enjoyed what I was doing, even though I had really started to question whether or not my values and what I thought um, were in alignment with the private equity company. Not to say one's bad, one's good, just that over time you start to see there are things that may not be as, uh, as, as much in alignment. And it's very difficult when you've built a team and you've got people that you really care about and you really enjoy a lot of aspects of what you're doing, but you've got to make this really tough choice, which is where should I be right now? What should I be doing right now? What, what is most important in my life? And having to make that decision was one of the hardest decisions. It became quite easy when, in fact, my mother got sick and I decided no one has time to wait for me to do an exhaustive you know, review of where, where I need to be. I knew exactly where I need to be. So I stepped down from the CEO position. I went to Seattle to care for my mom. Now, that's the good part of the story. The bad part of the story is that I didn't know at that time that it was going to actually be the, the last nine months of my mom's life. And so uh, my mom passed uh, about a year ago, but I had an opportunity uh, to be with her, to help her with her care, to make those months um, as good. And, and I have to tell you, it was the best decision I ever made. I never looked back. You know, certainly, you know, you, you sometimes say, wow, you know, I wish I'd been there for this. I wish I'd been there for that. But when you know it's right in your heart that that's where you're supposed to be, um, that's where you are. And I didn't worry about what was going to come after. I felt very comfortable and secure that I would find my way, you know, with, regardless of what the outcome was. And I did. The outcome was not what I wanted. Uh, it was a very, very, probably the most difficult thing in my life. But I had started writing the book when I was teaching at Kellogg, and I really found it difficult to have the time to do it. And my mother would always just very gently ask me, how's the book coming? And so I made a commitment after my mom passed that what I was going to do is I was going to finish it. I was going to, you know, really, you know, stick to my guns and make sure the book got finished and do that to to honor uh, my mom's memory. And so you absolutely have to continue to evaluate because none of us have a crystal ball as to what's going to happen in the years ahead. 
same uh, issues that happen with uh, entrepreneurs. I mean, especially in an entrepreneurial environment, it's up and down. You don't know. Sometimes one day is going to be different than the next. And so you got to keep challenging yourself, keep reviewing, make those changes, do the act of the pivot, I call. I, I love this term, this word called rewirement. I just gave the, the um, uh, commencement speech for uh, Kellogg's executive MBA program uh, about a week ago. And I focused on what I called the three R's and the first one, resilience. And then I focused on what I call rewirement or the act of the pivot, the ability to change based on circumstances. And then the last one that I talked about is this whole notion of reflection. And when I talked about reflection, I really talked about this whole notion of being present, being present in the moment and being present, which allows you an ability to connect better uh, both with yourself and with others. And so that's really kind of a pattern that I've kind of used to guide my life as I go forward. The ability to um, make a hard decision, and I would say when our back is against the wall, and certainly yours was with your mom, right? It became crystal clear to you, and you knew you needed to go. But I've also known that I've seen people basically kind of just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth because it wasn't as critical of a decision. And it's like, well, maybe things will change and we'll play it out a little bit longer. So I love that you you kind of tie it back to the piece of looking at reflecting, not only on yourself, but if you're in business, what's going on with the business or your external environment. How, to what degree does the willingness or the ability to take risks or innovate play into all of that with people who are making transitions or considering change? Well, I think the first thing that, that everyone has to do is we've got to be comfortable and, and build up our confidence in ourselves to uh, make those changes uh, because it, it's hard. It's, uh, it's not easy. It's not without risk. And it's not without the possibility of a failure. And uh, I've taken a lot of risk in my life. In some, some cases, I will tell you that it's worked out very well. And in other cases, it hasn't. I think when you can go back, though, and reflect a little bit, even when it hasn't worked out, okay, I would say some of the things that have, have, have not been as big of a success as others have been the best learning experiences that I could have ever had. When the company I was referring to and I, when I told you that uh, uh, the investment uh, folks had pulled out of it uh, after three years. But that, that interesting enough, while that wasn't the, uh, certainly my top professional success, I was introduced to uh, sitting on corporate boards. Uh, uh, there was a gentleman who was a private investor in the company and got a chance to know me over those three years and uh, recommended me to uh, for a corporate board. And uh, that's how I got started in my uh, world of corporate boards. I also uh, met uh, many contacts because uh, this was a global uh, organization and we had a headquarters in Paris. I got a chance to make contacts all over the world as a result of my position and as a result of my experience there. So even when things don't end up necessarily with the, the right, you know, the exact result that you went in with it. There's so many other things that, you know, can happen as a result of that. And I think that is what people have to understand is that it's, it's a really, you know, we talk about ecosystems. It's a much bigger ecosystem that's out there 
that we have an opportunity to touch. And each one of these experiences will give you, you know, maybe that piece that offers you a chance to touch. So, so you've got to, you've got to be open enough with your objectives so that you don't think about it just as point A to point B. There could be all kinds of other things. I will tell you with my, the last position I was talking about, the CEO position, the context that I made there. And and what I mean by that uh, is that the focus of what I'm doing now, working with entrepreneurial companies and helping them with growth strategies and all those kinds of things. But the other people that I met throughout my experience there, uh, people who uh, can help me with graphics work and marketing work and all kinds of different things. I'm using so many of those people in the work that I'm doing now. So all of those things can be valuable to you. And so you've just got to open yourself up to this idea that I'm going to take the risk, but understand there might be so many other benefits that come out of here that are well beyond the original objective that you have. I think the ability to let go of like a fixed point And by that, I mean not letting go of a goal or an objective so much, but like how that actually happens or comes about is important because as you talked about, there are many benefits that I might not know going in. I I wouldn't know them because I haven't experienced them. So I can't say I'm going to go and meet these specific kinds of people, but I could be very open, just like you're saying to say, wow, now because of this, I have a bigger network of professional people or friends or whatever. And I know for me, that's been one of the unintended benefits and great joys of this podcast is there's so many amazing folks doing great work like yourself that um, now I'm able to connect them to people who need them um, or myself. So I think that, but that wasn't the goal going in, right? So I mean, absolutely. And the other thing is that the goals that you have going into any venture, non-for-profit organization, corporate organization, civic organization, those things typically will change and you've got to change with it. And so you've got to open yourself up to the fact, you know, what, what do I want to accomplish here? You know, what do I, you know, want to provide? What value can I provide? But I think in most situations, we're also looking, you know, to get something out of it. Sometimes it's financial. A lot of times it is, but sometimes it's more than just financial. It's the ability to connect maybe the ability for us to use the skills that we have in order to be able to enhance the lives of others. Um, there's so many different things that, that we can offer as well as we can get from it. And that's what I've really learned throughout this. And that's part of what I learned through the process of writing the book. Uh, the, you know, the, it was a long process. We interviewed lots of companies that talked to lots of different entrepreneurs, you know, talked to a lot of people about this whole notion of uh, next chapter there's a wonderful uh, story about a, a woman uh, in the book who was uh, at a museum and the museum changed and, you know, she was without a job and what uh, wasn't done, wanted to uh, still, you know, have an opportunity to continue to move forward. And as a result of losing this uh, great job opportunity that she had, she was able to find a new career that allowed her to do all the things that she loved about the job but actually didn't didn't require her to do some of the things that she didn't love. And she said she never thought about herself as an entrepreneur, said never even, you know, was one of her objectives at all. But she was, you know, forced to be an entrepreneur because unfortunately, like I said, she had 
this opportunity. And, and when it was taken away from her, she had to, uh, she had to come up with something else. And so sometimes, you know, we're kind of forced to do that. You know, we're not always, you know, we don't always sit down and plan it. This particular woman, her name was Claire Cooney. And uh, her company is called Art News. And uh, uh, she had worked at the Art Institute of Chicago. And then she had worked at the Getty Museum in Los Angeles and was uh, a casualty, if you will, of one of the budgeted discount uh, moves that they, they had to make. And she said, you know, she said it really it really worked with her, her professional identity. She said it had been decades since she had um, had to go out and do any of those kinds of things. And uh, she was 59 years old. And she said, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Okay. And uh, she said, she said, you know what, I'm going to figure out what are the things that I do. Okay. Really, really well. And she had become friends with a number of people in other museums. So she knew the LA gallery uh, scene really well. And she just said, you know what, I'm going to take this, take my uh, skills that I have and uh, create this company called Art News. And what it would do is that it would coordinate private tours of museums. And she said, I had no experience in doing this before. And so she started it up and uh, it's been about five or six years now. She gets requests all the time for her services. And she said, if anyone had ever said to her she was going to end up being an entrepreneur, she would have said, absolutely not. Okay. But she took what she had learned and she was able to put it in and use all of the things that she was really, really good at. And there was a need for it. Okay. And, and she could basically market and sell herself because of all this fabulous experience she had at the Art Institute of Chicago and then at the, um, at the Getty Museum. And most people wouldn't even think of doing that at 59 years old. And she's been wildly successful. I love it. Because I think it, she reinvented herself, but I think so often because we're not, we don't have to think about ourselves in different lights. So we just kind of go on with the, what's been expected or we've expected of ourselves. And that whole piece about reinventing and taking what her strengths were, and you've talked about that as well when you said going back and saying, you know, what did I learn from that? Where, you know, what do I want to keep? You know, the non-negotiables. And there's this whole um, awareness now in management about really asking people to play to their strengths, not to build up their weaknesses, but to really capitalize on their strengths because it will lead, lead better team engagement as well as innovation in within a, a management setting as well as an organization. Well, and she did exactly what we talked about earlier, and that is that she she went back and thought about the, a lot of the characteristics that are very much, you know, uh, you know, in entrepreneurial ventures, you see them all the time. And she never thought that she had those, but she did have passion. She was very passionate about the arts and, and she was very knowledgeable, knowledgeable about it as well. She, she was willing to take a bit of a risk too. Now she ended up taking a risk because she was forced to, but it doesn't matter. You know, she took that risk anyway and put herself out there. She didn't know if anyone would sign up for this. Now, you know, she's got a really plan the schedule. But at the time, you know, she decided that she would take that risk. She was very innovative and creative about what was going to be included in these tours and how it was going to be marketed and why people were going to be interested in it and what else was out there from a competitive standpoint. So she took all of these things, which is the questions that every entrepreneur asked themselves, didn't think of herself as an entrepreneur, but is an entrepreneur in every sense of the word. And what she found is that not only 
was she fulfilled and, and enjoyed what she was doing. But there was a, a unbelievable amount of freedom and time that she had by being her own boss. Uh, and she never had to worry about ever getting fired again or worried about a budget cut or, or any of that, right? Because she was now in control of all of that. And so that's really, I think there's so many life lessons in, in, in her situation. And again, it doesn't matter whether you make the situation happen or the situation happens to you. It really only matters what you do with it. Well, and it sounds like she took ownership of the situation. Absolutely, she took ownership of it. You know, she, she decided, look, I'm not done yet. I mean, I still think I have a lot to add. Uh, she decided that she wasn't comfortable going back into a more bureaucratic situation. And I think this is a real interesting point, too, is that we have to be realistic about uh, the situation that we get into. What's the old saying about insanity? It's doing the same thing the same ways and expecting it to be different. So if you know that going into a particular environment is not going to be conducive to what your objectives and your needs are, then it's, it's difficult to do that and expect that it's going to be different. So you really got to work to find those opportunities um, that are going to be in alignment with what you want. And she knew that from her standpoint, that uh, there were certain things that she probably wasn't as willing to do that she might've been willing to do 20 years ago or what have you. So she worked very, very, she was very, very focused at developing a concept and developing uh, a business that was going to allow her to, to be who she wanted to be and, and but be really realistic about what was going to be required and allowed her to use all of the networks and contacts and everything that she had built over her career. She had a fabulous reputation. And so, you know, there were many people who who were willing to say, well, sure, we'll try you out. Sure. We'll, we'll have you come in, you know? Yeah. We'd like to, you know, take one of your tours. And then she got feedback uh, as she developed this so that, you know, she constantly, you know, updated it and made it better. And, and, and now it's a, a thriving business and she, she's got the ability to, to do it however she likes. And so it's just a great story. There are lots of stories like that. Uh, you know, some of them, you know, again, as I say, people start companies all the time because uh, they absolutely, it's their dream. And they, they start companies because uh, they're put in situations where they, they're just not able to find a, an organization or uh, that is going to allow them to do what they need to do and be able to meet all of their other uh, objectives. So, and, and so it doesn't matter which one. It just matters that, that you decide to put the plan in place and move forward. One of the takeaways getting from the story you just related about Claire is, and yourself to some degree, is that the moment was now. And it wasn't just like, I'll wait until I figure it out and it's perfect. But when you talked about her saying she put something together, she tested it, she kept refining it. I mean, that ability to say it's not going to be perfect, but you have to start is also a a piece that to me seems really um, important if we're going to have any success moving forward. Yeah, well, you you know, that, that's a really uh, great point. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be perfect, okay? Because that's what it's all about. It's about getting out there and the act of the pivot. I go back to that because it's really important. This whole rewirement notion and the act of the pivot, being able to get out there and as 
circumstances happen, as, as, as you learn more about what you're doing, as you experience more things, then you make those changes. You do the act of the pivoting, you make those changes in order uh, to move forward. And I think that a, one of the things in all of, you know, the years that I'm an entrepreneur as well as a, a corporate and, and being in corporate is that this whole notion of fear and this whole notion of failure is what keeps a lot of us from moving to that next step. One of the questions I always ask myself in anything like this that I do, I said, what's the worst thing that could ever happen? What is the absolute worst thing that could ever happen? And in most cases, the worst thing is not that bad. Okay. The worst thing in, in Claire's case is guess what? She picks up and goes and tries to do something else, or she takes uh, she jobs at other museums, but they weren't in the Los Angeles area, which she had become very fond of. So the worst thing is that I may have to relocate or I may have to do something else. But the worst thing was not really that bad. And I think sometimes if we can step back for a minute and think about what is the absolute worst thing that could happen as a result of me stepping out and following my passion and doing what I want to do, then it takes away that sting of us not trying. And that puts it front and center. So you can look at that fear and go, either it's not real or I can survive it or... I've done, I've handled things that are worse than that. Absolutely. And I think for most of us in our lives, unfortunately, you know, we are going to have loss. We are going to have some things that are going to be totally out of our control. And if you've gone through any of those things, and most of us have, okay, and if we haven't, we will. And, you know, when you've gone through that, you know that the worst is typically not moving to another opportunity or moving to a next job or whatever. It's really those, you know, personal and those, those family relationships and those kinds of things. Those are the things that stay with you all of your life. So if you've gone through any of that, there's nothing worse than, than, than the loss of a loved one. And so you, do, you have to put it in perspective. Uh, and even if you've gone through the loss of a loved one, you know, uh, one of the things I've tried to do over the last year is figure out ways in which I can honor my mother and my mother's life. And, and I've, I've actually had some great experiences in being able to do that from helping out with the educational uh, uh, initiative to help minority students go to college uh, that was part of her church, all the way to, to being able to speak about her at the Kellogg commencement uh, in front of a thousand people to, to talk about how she inspired me to do the best I can be. So there, there, come, there, there are ways where you can do that as you go through your life and you look at it just a little bit differently. And, and that's really what I'm trying to do as I go ahead because, because the, the ones that we've lost, they're still with us. They're just with us in a different way. I couldn't have said that better. Cheryl, as we get ready to wrap the podcast, I have um, two questions for you. One is, where is the best place for folks to connect with you who want to learn more about you and what you're doing? And the other, which you can answer last, is what's the one thing you would like to leave our listeners with, a piece of advice or insight that you have that you think they would like to know? Okay. Well, you know what? I have obviously a number of different uh, social media contacts, but the best one is LinkedIn. Uh, C. Mayberry at Nia Enterprises. I also have a uh, a site, Nia Enterprises, where you can uh, leave information if you'd like to connect. Uh, so those would be the two places that I would uh, suggest. And as far as um, advice 
maybe kind of a, uh, the, the, the last advice to, as we close is, is that you mentioned that a lot of uh, people who may be listening to this podcast may just be in, in, in that in-between moment, very much like I was. And, and I have been several points in my life. I certainly was that a year ago when I entered back into the business world after taking some time out after my mom's uh, passing or when I abruptly had uh, a job situation uh, be pulled uh, away and had to think about uh, starting over. And so I think what I would just like to leave um, everyone with is don't let fear rule your next chapter. Really, don't be afraid to step out there. And even if you step out there and and, uh, you're not 100% comfortable with uh, the results, Understand that there's some learning, there's some value that you're going to get, whether it's a huge success, and there's some value you're going to get, whether it's it's less successful than what you'd like. So don't let fear prohibit you from moving to your next chapter. Thank you, Cheryl. I don't think you could have offered a better pearl of wisdom. So I really appreciate you being a guest on the show, and we will put links to your LinkedIn page and your website in the show notes, so it's really easy for our listeners to find you. Thank you so much. It was a great. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. We hope you like what you heard, and if you did, we ask that you go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share. And until next time, have a great week living a no labels, no limits, and no excuses life.